Well, almost 60 years ago, the Rolling Stones released a song titled, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Now, rumor has it that Keith Richards, who, if you don't know, he's the lead guitarist for the Rolling Stones, uh, wrote the guitar line for this song in his sleep, and then Mick Jagger took that and just added lyrics to it, and well, you know, the rest is history. The song is extremely famous. It's been on the charts multiple times. It's just a very famous song, and I'm sure that most of you have heard it. Now, in this song, Mick Jagger complains about the emptiness of American culture, and he rails against advertisements, and he vents his frustrations around lusts, and through it all, he declares, I can't get no satisfaction. You know, he's searching for satisfaction. He's looking for it. He's trying to attain it, but ultimately, he laments, I can't get no satisfaction. It's almost like a cry for help, isn't it? He's chasing and he's chasing and he's chasing, but no matter where he looks, he he can't get it. He can't find satisfaction. I mean, here's this rock star and he's got it all. He's got money, right? He's got fame, influence, power, sex, and still he can't get no satisfaction. Nothing fulfills him. Nothing brings him lasting joy. Nothing ultimately satisfies him. And so McJagger just kind of throws his hands up in the air and he declares, well, I can't get no satisfaction. And I think that this is a feeling that we can all relate to. You know, we all want to be satisfied. We all want to have the fulfilled life. We all want lasting and real joy. We want peace and security in our hearts, but it's this elusive thing. It escapes us every single time we chase after it. We might get that new job. We might get that new car that we've always wanted. We might have the the trophy husband or the trophy wife, and still we aren't satisfied. So we throw our hands up in the air and we just kind of go, ugh, I can't get no satisfaction. But you know what? This attitude stands in direct opposition to what we see in our text today. You know, according to our text, we can find lasting joy. According to our text, we can have a fulfilled life. According to our text, we can find satisfaction. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, that's exactly what I'd like us to look at together. And I want us to see uh, through this text how we can ultimately be satisfied. And I think the the answer to how we find satisfaction goes something like this. We find our satisfaction by looking to the right one. If there's one thing I want you to remember from the sermon today, it's that. Satisfaction is about looking to the right one. That's my big point. And we're going to examine this by looking at four different things. First, what we want. Satisfaction. Two, why we don't have it, we look to the wrong things. Three, how we get it, look to the right things. 
and four, the result satisfaction. So what we want, why we don't have it, how we get it, the result. So let's jump in and look at our first point together, what we want. You know, everyone wants to be satisfied. There's not a single person on this planet who doesn't want to be satisfied. We all want satisfaction. It's just a part of of being human. It's in our human nature to want this. And the reason that we want to be satisfied is simply because satisfaction equals happiness. And we even see this in our text today. You know, when you look at our text, the first word that you'll see is the word blessed. Now, this word, it's really interesting. In the original Greek, the the word is makarios, which could be translated as happy. So we could say, right, happy are those who hunger and thirst rather than say blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And this would still make sense of the text. But we also need to be careful here. Because in our 21st century minds, you know, happiness is this sort of like psychological feeling that we experience. You know, we talk about feeling happy. But here, it means way more than that. You know, it's talking about this true, real, sort of deep happiness in our hearts. It's the kind of happiness that we only get by living the the good life. That's the kind of happiness that's being talked about here. I really like the way one commentator phrases it named R.T. France. Uh, He's Welsh, so he uses an old Welsh phrase to translate this word. And the phrase is, white is their world, which basically just means everything is good for them. So happy or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But why are they happy? Why? Why? Well, because of the knowledge that they shall be satisfied. Now that word satisfied, um, it doesn't really capture the sense of the original Greek. Uh, The word literally means to be gorged. You know, it's the idea of being filled up to the brim of overflowing. A few weeks ago, my wife and I went to Costco. And whenever we go to Costco together, Um, my sweet tooth kicks in and I always need to pick up a a tub of some sort of treat that is just awful for me, just terrible. So this week I decided to go for the uh, two bite cinnamon buns. Uh, I don't know how many of you had those cinnamon buns, but they are just absolutely amazing. I love these things. Well, we get home And we lay all the groceries out on the counter and we're laying them out. And I notice that the two bite cinnamon buns expire in three days. Now I'm not one to kind of throw away uh, expired goods or things that are about to expire. Uh, I want to eat them all. So over the next two days, I ate those cinnamon buns with a vengeance and I was gorged on them. You know, I was fully filled up with cinnamony, sugary goodness. It was coming out of the top of my gullet. And this, this is the language that Jesus is using here about satisfaction. Gorged. You know, it's not some trite satisfaction that he's talking about. It's a complete satisfaction. It's a sense of being fully full in life. That's what Jesus is talking about. 
And the people who are actually going to be satisfied in this way, well, they're blessed. They're happy. Everything is good for them. Which I think is what we all want in life, isn't it? We all want to be fully full, to be satisfied and to be happy. We all want that. You know, we hear the description of true happiness and of real lasting satisfaction and our hearts, they kind of leap up within us and they think, we go, I want that. I want a piece of that. We all want this. Whether you're the worst sinner in the whole world or whether you're the greatest saint alive, you want to be satisfied. It's the reason that you do all of the things that you do in your life. To be satisfied, to be fully full, to be fulfilled. So why aren't we? Why are we satisfied like this? Why aren't we resting in joy? Why aren't we deeply happy? Why? Well, it's because we looked at the wrong things to get it, which is our second point today, why we can't get it. The reason we aren't satisfied is because we look to the wrong things to get satisfaction. We're searching in all of the wrong places for it. You know, our text today uses the language of, of hungering and thirsting to describe this searching for something to satisfy us. Now, the Greek behind these words uh, carries with it the sense of ardently desiring for something. So Jesus here, he's intentionally using this evocative imagery of hungering and thirsting to point to the concept of people's deepest longings, their deepest desires. He's metaphorically using these terms to describe the earnest desires that people have for something to ultimately satisfy them. And this makes sense, doesn't it? You know, I think we get the imagery of a hungry or thirsty person uh, searching out for food or water as a metaphor for someone who's seeking out satisfaction. I'm not sure how many of you have seen the old Western movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, but there's a scene in this movie which, for me at least, it really made this image come alive. Clint Eastwood, he's been led out into the desert and he's being forced to walk further and further and further into this sort of scorching, hot, barren wasteland by the the big sort of bad guy of the movie. And as he gets further and further into this desert without food and without water, his appearance slowly begins to change. You know, at first he's just a little bit sunburned, right? He's sweaty, his skin's a little bit red. But then... He starts to look dry and the skin around his eyes starts to kind of get cracked. Later, his face actually gets blisters on it and his lips, they crack open and they get bloody. His skin, you know, it begins to look like it hasn't seen moisture in days. You know, he's just absolutely haggard by the end of this scene. 
And just by looking at him here, you can tell, you can tell right away what his deepest desire was in that moment. Water. You know, his whole being, right? His whole body is just screaming out in this scene, I want water now. He wants it more than anything else in the world. And this is the kind of language that Jesus is using here in our passage to describe human longing, human desire. It's a deep hungering and thirsting. It's it's describing a deep desire. In fact, it's describing our deepest desire. Which really should raise a question for us, shouldn't it? What are your deepest desires in life? You know, if hungering and thirsting evokes this picture of our deepest desires, right? The things that that we chase after, then what are our deepest desires? What are they? What are we looking to for our satisfaction? What are you chasing in your life thinking, you know, once I get that thing, then, then, then I'll have satisfaction. What are you hungering and thirsting for? Is it money? Is it success? Is it just a nice sort of comfortable life with a nice comfortable home and a nice comfortable safety net in your bank account? Is it how people view your kids? What is it you desire? You know, biblically speaking, this uh, phenomena of chasing has a name. It's called idolatry. Now, idolatry basically just means chasing after something other than God to ultimately satisfy you. You know, it's looking uh, to something other than God to give you what only he can give you. And when we do this, when we chase after things other than God, looking for them to satisfy us when only God can, we're actually proving that our hearts worship something other than the God of the Bible, which is a sin. You know, the first commandment that God gave the Israelites after he rescued them out of Egypt was, you shall have no other gods before me. Or in other words, I'm the one that you should worship. I'm the one worthy of your praise. I'm the one who can ultimately satisfy you. Worship me. Seek me. Hunger and thirst for me. But we don't do this, do we? We don't. We're constantly slipping into patterns of looking for our satisfaction in something other than God. And if you don't believe me here, you can simply uh, fill in the blank of this statement and, and it'll show you. Just fill in the blank here. Life only has meaning if blank. Whatever you put in that blank, bam, that's your idol right there. So what do you put in your blank? You know, is it that life only has meaning if I'm loved and respected by my colleagues? Is that life only has meaning if I'm highly productive and getting lots of different things done? Is that life only has meaning if my children are happy and they're flourishing? Is that life only has meaning if I have financial freedom, a nice home, a cool car? Or maybe it's a more painful reality that you have to fill that blank in with. 
Maybe you look at this statement and you want to put in that blank, if I'm skinny enough. Or if I'm finally loved by my dad. Or if my husband respects me. Look, whatever it is that you fill in that blank with, that's your idol. That's your idol. That's what you're chasing after. That's what you are hungering and thirsting for. That's what you desire. But there's a huge, huge problem with this. When you look for satisfaction in something that was never, ever designed to give you satisfaction, then when you finally do get that thing, it's not going to satisfy you. It won't be able to live up to your expectations for it, and you will be completely crushed, completely crushed when it doesn't perform. And since this thing that you've been looking to for satisfaction is so tied up now with who you are, when you lose it, well, guess what? You aren't just let down, but, but you're thrust into the midst of an existential crisis. Brad Bigney, who wrote a wonderful little book on idolatry called Gospel Treason, says, that's why when one of those things you live for is threatened, you react so fiercely and violently. You're struck with panic if it's taken away or if someone gets in the way of that thing. Because it's not just a thing or a person that you enjoy, it's who you are. There's a loss of self. You're afraid that you're going to lose yourself. And you will lose yourself. Because when you put all of your identity on the satisfaction that that thing might bring you, then you're going to be crushed. It simply can't deliver. And you'll be driven to despair, to depression, to a crisis in your life. So we've got a big problem, a really big problem. We hunger and thirst after all sorts of different things, thinking that they're going to satisfy us, but they simply won't. They won't. So what do we do? Well, it's really simple. We look to the right things. And that's our third point today, what to do about it. If we look to our verse today, it tells us exactly, exactly what we need to do about this problem. And that is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now this word righteousness, uh, here it means uprightness required by God. And it's a term that's actually used to describe the, the compelling motive behind someone's whole life. John Stott uh, describes this word as someone whose spiritual ambition is completely set on pleasing God above all else. Which means that if we want to be satisfied, then we need to have our whole being, all of our desire set completely, completely on pleasing God. But this just brings us right back to our problem, doesn't it? You know, the whole problem is that we can't do this in our own strength. We're constantly tempted to look to other things to actually satisfy us, and we end up hungering and thirsting after those things. So what we need is we need someone who accomplishes this work on our behalf. 
We need someone who actually sought after God with, with their whole heart and never ever fell into idolatry. Someone who embodied righteousness in their day-to-day life. That's what we need. And when we look to scripture, there's only one person who fits this description. Jesus Christ. Jesus, God's very son, he lived the perfectly righteous life. He always, always hungered and thirsted after doing good. He always sought to please his father, accomplish his father's will. His heart's desire was to be obedient to God and he desired after this so much so that he gave himself up on the cross, dying so that our idolatrous hearts might be forgiven. And since he's accomplished perfectly the righteousness that God requires of us, when we come to our text today and we read, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, we shouldn't be thinking to ourselves, okay, I just got to work really hard. I got to try my best. I got to pull myself up on my bootstraps and just do my best to be righteous. No, that's not what we should be thinking at all. We should be thinking Jesus, the righteous one, lived the righteous life I never could. Let me look to him. Let me aim to live like him, to emulate him. Let me hunger and thirst to be like him in everything I do. That's what we should hear. But we don't just aim to live like Christ. We also hunger and thirst to be like him, knowing full well, full well, that his perfect record has actually been given to us free of charge. You see, his righteousness has been applied to us and given to us as a free gift of God. And this is biblical. You know, we see this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be a sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Or again in Romans 5.19, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience many will be made righteous. See, we are righteous because he is righteous. We receive Christ's perfect record and we're given the presence of God himself through the Holy Spirit who helps us in the here and now to hunger and thirst to look more like Christ. And this means it's all grace. The gift of Christ's righteousness, grace. The gift of the Holy Spirit, grace the empowering of the Holy Spirit so that you can live more like Jesus in the here and now. That's grace. We don't hunger and thirst after righteousness just hoping that somehow it's going to earn us God's love and therefore earn us our satisfaction. No, no. The very act of hungering and thirsting at all only comes because we've already experienced God's love in Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't telling the people in this beatitude how they get to God. He's telling people who already got got by God what will happen to them. He's saying, blessed are the people who've been saved through my work, who've been transformed by the Holy Spirit because they hunger and thirst after me. 
They're the ones who want to please God. They're the ones who want to please God. They're the ones who aren't satisfied with the empty calories of idols. They want a full meal. They want what truly satisfies Jesus Christ. But still, what does it mean uh, to be satisfied? You know, what does it actually look like to be satisfied? Well, let's look together at our final point and see if we can't answer this question. The result. When we hunger and thirst after the right thing, the result is true satisfaction. It's a deep, deep joy and being uh, fully full. That's the result of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Hungering and thirsting after Christ and wanting to be like him. The result is satisfaction. And we actually experience a, a taste of this satisfaction now because we are full of the knowledge of God's love for us. We've been adopted into his family. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit who makes God known to us. And we simply enjoy the love of Jesus Christ. So we have a sense of true satisfaction now in Christ. We also look forward to a day when we will be truly, you know, really, completely, ultimately satisfied. We look forward to a day when all of our pain, right, all of our, our sorrow, all of our difficulties and our sinful tendencies will be gone. We look forward with anticipation to the day of Christ when we will dwell with God and he will be our God. We have these things promised to us in Scripture. Listen to me, uh, to the, with me, to the promises of Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. And I want you to really listen to them. You know, close your eyes if you have to, but really, really hear this text today. Listen to these promises in all of their beauty. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Turn to Christ. Turn to him, and he will give 
to those of you who are thirsty from, from the springs of the water of life. You know, the only drink that will ever, ever satisfy you. And he'll give it to you for free. For free. He'll bring you into his family. He'll make you a son of the living God. He'll care for you. He'll love you. He'll satisfy all of your deepest longings. No idol will ever wipe away your tears. No idol will ever stop your pain. No idol will satisfy you in this way. Only God can do this. Only he can satisfy you like this. Stop looking to the wrong things. Stop hungering and thirsting after empty idols and look to Jesus Christ. You know, McJagger couldn't find satisfaction. You know, who knows? Maybe he's still out there looking for it somewhere. But we can. We can. Because we don't look to the things of this world to satisfy us. We don't look to idols. But we look to Jesus Christ alone. And we hunger and thirst. We long for and we desire to be like him. Because satisfaction only comes when we look to the right one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We're going to move into a time of communion together now. So if you're in a house church, uh, we just encourage you to get the elements ready at this point. And as you take uh, communion today, be reminded of what these elements actually signify. You know, look, look at the bread and be reminded of Jesus' broken body on the cross so that you might be forgiven. Look at the wine and be reminded of the blood Jesus shed on your behalf. Look to these things and actually hunger and thirst after them. Earnestly desire to take hold of the work of Christ today and enjoy, enjoy the satisfaction that comes with knowing God's love for you. If you aren't yet a Christian, uh, we just ask that you avoid participating in the communion uh, meal today. This isn't to make you feel excluded, but rather it's because this is a family meal. It's a, a meal uh, that we participate in to say that we actually worship Jesus Christ alone. So we just simply ask that you refrain from partaking in that today. However, if you'd like to join us in this, right, if you'd like to commit your life to Christ and, and to enjoy the blessing uh, of knowing God's love for you, then let me just encourage you to email info at christcitychurch.ca and we would just love, love to talk with you about what it looks like to give your life to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your written word and for your, the living word, Jesus Christ, who died to, to save us from our sins and who frees us from the bondage of slavery to idols and who we need to look to 
for our satisfaction. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we might just be looking to you alone to satisfy us. Empower us, help us, O Lord, as we try to turn from the idols in our lives and turn to you. Father, you are a good God. You love us. I just pray that we be reminded this morning of the fact that our satisfaction only comes when we are found in your son, Jesus Christ. So help us be found in him, I pray. Amen.